You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. This makes my nipples hard. Hi there. <laughs> That's right, please. That timing was beautiful, though. <laughs> this was 42 minutes in the making. I can't believe it. <laughs> Hi there, classic gaming friends. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, Paul and I and his cat Lunchbox are chatting about... Do the Paul? thing. Did that pass his Lunchbox? Go. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was good enough for me. <laughs> he's just There he goes. Yes, he's just looking me dead in the eyes right now like, Fuck you. Yeah. So the three of us are hosting the payment. Two of us care about you. One of us is indifferent. You'll find out by the end of the episode which one it is. Paul, what are we talking about today? Unclear. I have, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I've known all day until right now that the cat will not stop. He won't even blink. I don't, I think, I think this is a, so we're talking about environments. You saw it from the thumbnail, you guys. Don't come at me all like, well, you know, please tell me. You read it. Okay, this episode clearly says something, something vaguely environments. Or maybe I went with more like environmental or something fun. And so that's what we're talking about. It's going to be great. Do you guys read the, the episode description? Do you read the show notes? I spend I spend a while on those. You should read those. Mm-hmm. They're funny. Oh. We were sitting here. We got, look, you got your favorite chips in your pocket. I got my cat. I got this Pringles can in case we need to go 1920s. On anybody, <laughs> we're just good to go. We're talking about environment, see? Ah, welcome to the Classic Gamers Podcast. Man, it works so good. It's ridiculous. It's beautiful. It's really, you should be doing like voice acting for other games doing that. Actually, the first topic is historical inspiration. Join us tonight with Gabriel Knight, Laura Bow. What do they have to say about it, see? Find out. Okay, I'll take a break on that. It might be peeking the microphone. But look, we're, we're talking about environments. It's going to be just a free flow conversation because, you know, because and true. i'm excited about it okay let's let's get them all started let's just let me let me actually tell my son to stop jumping up and down Stop it! <laughs> jump right up and down so this whole thing was we were excited to talk about the aesthetics of an environment so we're going to cover like a wide range of things everything from mm-hmm. interactivity to atmosphere to the graphic influence uh, a graphic quality and it's weird to say graphic quality was pixel art but you know we're, we're going to look at how agi graphics might have varied from something like you know the vga era and uh i don't know the storytelling but look i'm, I'm reading things off a list here but my point is is we're, we're more prepared than it sounds like <laughs> but i want to start <laughs> us off i want to start us off with um basically was what kind of inspired this which which Anne and I were both excited to talk about Leisure Suit Larry 5 and, and Lara Botsu. That was weird. I said Larry, but it's cool. And hmm. and, <laughs> and just a few that really stand out that hopefully we'll get to more like organically. But just for a jumping off point, Anna, what is it about Leisure Suit Larry 5 that we just that, that is grabbing our attention for the environment? Like, it's this super 90s kind of a style. And, I, and I'm just trying to sort of place what I could possibly call it. Cause it's really distinct, isn't it? With all of its kind of points and, <laughs> and the way everything's right. shaped, right? Well, what do you think it is? I don't know. You know who it reminds me of? It reminds me of Bob Dylan. 
You Does know? it now? Yeah, when you I mean- see wacky '90s Saved by the Bell squiggly lines and shapes, I I think Bob Dylan. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I get it because he did that that song uh, stuck inside of Mobile with the Memphis Blues again, and that kind of like I think started up the whole idea of Memphis design. Guys, Google it. Tell me it doesn't look like that, right? Yeah, they should they should call it Memphis design. Because right? <laughs> it, it just when you look at it, you're like, it's probably called something oddly country western. I don't know why. Right. All these neon colors. And yeah, it just fits. I, I, I picture gritty blues folk musician Bob Dylan wearing a neon windbreaker. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's and then that's weird. what you see when you open your locker and it's kind of like it's there <laughs> hanging up next to your your baby soothers and your you know, your styrofoam cup from the mall with like a turquoise, you know, paint thing scrubbed across it or whatever thing. The very, very, yeah. It looks how that sounded. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you just made the sound of an old arcade rug. (laughs) (laughs) I can, I was running my fingers across the up and down of the swishy swirl. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, it's a very distinctive design. I wasn't a fan of number five. I've said it before. It's fine. It's grown on me. I just, I wasn't sure on the direction that it was going, but the, the art and the aesthetic, if this is what you're looking for, it is very it. (laughs) That, that whole, it's the epitome of the nineties. It's, it's Bob Dylan personified game. Right. Right. It's so weird that that's true. Cause it's just like, (laughs) man. Yeah. I just I have I'm struggling so hard to think to associate Bob Dylan with this still. But yeah, okay, so and 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 if it's, it's just for a quick little uh, director's note here, this is number 13 on that list that we have. But the the art influence, we wrote down games with a strong commitment to one particular style or vibe. And mm-hmm. and here I've got our examples would be like these you see Larry Five, right? Cuz as Anna just said, it's just it's so much more needs to be said about it. It's just the most mm-hmm. overtly 90s like um TGI, wait, what was that called? Yeah, um, TGIF, TGI Fridays. Yeah, was it just TGIF, I guess, where it had like, you know, Susan Sarandon or some Summers? TGIF, we'll see. Step by week. step is what I was trying to yeah. say there. Family Matters and <laughs> yeah, exactly. step by step, step by step. Larry looks day like that. Day. That whole scene, yeah. that song, that whole all era. This. Yeah. Moesha. Let's go. Ah, I feel so I good just to say see. that at them, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just so glad you it's guys heard that. It's okay. all in there. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, what else do we have? Uh, um, I don't know. I just kind of tag your it. What's another game that's just like the, 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 the art style is just very, very strong. Like they committed hard to one art style. Right. I mean, could uh, you could say the same thing about Dagger, really, yeah. because the whole thing is a very much a period piece. Right, good call. The whole thing's Art Deco. Got like just mm-hmm. the 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 flat. What is it? Flapper, I think. Right, like like flapper mm-hmm. gown for, for the or Lars blue dress anyway. And just yeah, like Lion Decker, who's you know was was an actual person with the actual art <laughs> <laughs> that was you know of the Deco variety. <laughs> <laughs> What, no song reference for that? <laughs> oh, actually, and they've got the noir font. Yeah, see, noir font. Okay, I'll put the yeah. first game down. <laughs> no, that was good. That was better than a song title. I'll take it. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So, these are Larry Five, Raw. What's another, like, like I, I, I had put in the notes Day of the Tentacle because that's, like. Mm-hmm. 
the heart of China and the rise of the dragon, both very, very, very solidly in their time period as a very specific art style, very straight up. Right. Yeah. I could get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say what else art style wise? I mean, in the, Hmm. The quest for glory five, it picked an art style and it stuck with it solidly all the way through. And yeah, that might be 3d pixelated it was kind of terrible. like, <laughs> <laughs> but alone in the dark did the same thing, right? Here it is. This is what I am. Accept me. And I'm going to move forward as such. Right. Yeah, it did. It completely owns it. Um, yeah. I'm kind of struggling. Cause like day of the Tango and Sam and Max are like, well, Sam and Max is like a comic book style, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, right? And so, I mean, Sam and Max was a comic book before a game, just to just to get my nerd credentials at the door here, where it's like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, as a co-host of a podcast about this, I know some things, man. And <laughs> one of them is that. Um, and that's all I got. And we have so much more we could talk about. So do you have anything else or should we just, just move on to another number? Yeah, I'll move on to another number other than Larry's Casino. I mean, it sticks with the style and it knows where it is. It's at a casino and your boss isn't (laughs) supposed to look at it. Right. Yes. Nice. Only because I'm looking at the box and it's a very pretty but very big ass box. That's like, I don't have that one. That's like very Leisure Suit Larry 7, right? The vibe, like Mm -hmm. art, like, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's around in that time period. Okay, well, I could, here we could do a, a oddly smooth transition. Well, no, it's not going to be, but it, we're gonna, I'm going to try and transition something. Um, okay, I put in here that there's like, um, but come on, Corman, keep it moving. What is it? <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, so like Leisure Suit Larry Seven, and just like a certain games that that are like. I don't know, the real world kind of based, but they're no see, I'm mixing up two different things at once. Okay, well there goes the transition. That's that's fine. <laughs> but wait, there's more. No way, I'm just reading this off of the back of the back of the I'm looking at the Leisure Suit Larry's greatest hits and misses compilation. And it's kind of got the mix of all of them so that I can get Leisure Suit Larry in mind. But this is good because this is this is my favorite thing off topic, but get six Leisure Suit Larry games for only one all inside this one box. And then the asterisk says, plus any additional retail marketed on the front, back, side panel, edge panel, shrimp wrap, tag sign, floating balloon, or life-size alone, semi-nude photo of Aulo with marketing thought would be a good idea, but which is probably long gone, vandalized by politically correct. I won't go on. It gets terrible after this point. <laughs> Just significantly more than for you to be saying that. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps going and going and going, and it gets worse and worse all the way down. But... Uh, that was back when, you know, for better or worse, you could say what you what you were thinking. On the back <laughs> of the box. Make the joke, yeah. Gotta, but think about the value. These sold for $360 in stores. And, you know, I bring up Leisure Suit Larry because it is a great example of the progression of the art. That's all. And, and the progression of the environment. Okay, and I'm going to take what you're saying in the direction of, you know, not not real places yet, but more like how it makes me feel, which is which is something I brought up when I was talking to James a little bit earlier. When he's like, "Oh man, when I play some games, I can feel like like a game like Elder Scrolls Arena." He's like, "I can feel the walls and how damp they are and how cold they are, and I can I can when the rain comes down, I can smell it because I I just I feel like I'm there." And I was what I was trying to saw out, and what I'm curious about is if an improvement on graphical style 
changes how much you're immersed mm. in the environment. Okay, like say you're in standing outside a house on the hill and then you're in a, a very simplistic King's Quest game and you're standing by the water and maybe you want to go swimming and you can feel the grass. And then you're in like King's Quest six and it's kind of hand painted and the grass is even greener and it looks even prettier but maybe there's less description about what the grass looks like and it's like can do you feel where you are more or less depending on the graphic style does it make a difference to you that's such a good question um I guess, like for, for the sake of a thought experiment, I'm I'm thinking of like the the Lucas Arts remakes, remasters, where where with Monkey Island, um, Day of the Tentacle, Full mm -hmm. Throttle, sorry, mm -hmm. Full Throttle, that you could you could just press the button, or maybe it was in the menu in some cases, and and switch it back mm -hmm. and forth from pixelated to to remastered. Mm -hmm. And I, I almost don't know if I can really truthfully answer because of nostalgia. Like, I don't know. I still I don't, know. I don't know to I know. what degree that all is. I just, mm -hmm. I really, really, really like pixel art to the point where I decided to like, you know, have to do it most days. Um, <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah, I might've overseered, but regardless, I, I stand by it. So it's like, I, I just, I think that, I think that gives it credit. I think that's got to be maybe more than just nostalgia because I don't like how vaporous are the fumes of nostalgia, right? I feel like that car would be mm -hmm. running on empty by now after three years. It's like, I, I still must appreciate pixel art in a different sort of way. So yeah, that's a, okay. Let's try maybe just a different example then. Um, yes. Right. What about Wait, space quest one and quest for uh, quest for glory SCI? Mm -hmm. Well, no, Christopher Glory was always SCI, right? Is that that's like yes? Yeah, well, they did a VGA remake, and that's that's the consideration. Right. Okay, take take a Space Quest game, take a Police Quest one game. Maybe that's a bad example. Because well, these remakes the remake, are good, though, but, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the remakes art. were good. Yeah, they're they're, they're well, Sorry. some of them are. That's yeah. okay. I was saying, well, like with Quest for Glory, they totally remade made the game in VGA point and click. So you've got two versions of the exact same game, one in your EGA, whatever, and then the other one in your VGA with an entirely different like layout as to how you click on things, but all the locations are the same. So like that's sort of a comparison idea. Or like King's Quest, the original one, or King's Quest, the later one that was put out as a fan game point and click. And this is yeah. Cool. Okay, so to, so to answer your question, I can, I'm going to use Space Quest. Um, but just going on, yeah, that, that era of SCI remakes uh, or VG mm -hmm. remakes um, to be just very pedantic around Quest for Glory because the first was SCI mm -hmm. 0.AGI. Um, but with Space Quest, it's like the art between the AGI one and the remake, which I love both. I'll just say that right away because the, the VGA Space Quest gets a lot of uh, hate. And I mean, the two guys themselves don't like it. So there's that. But I love it for two reasons. One, I, I just, I love the Space Quest series so much that when I recently played them all in a row through, not like in, in a day or whatever, but like, you know, played them all one at a time in order, like for like two months, like really focused on it. When I was done playing them all, I was sad it was over. And I was like, mm -hmm. I, want, I just, I want more Space Quest. And and then that's when I remembered the, 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 the remake that I literally had almost forgotten just because it's like, a, you know, it's like almost felt like I should be writing it off. Like, well, nobody likes that, that kind of vibe. <laughs> and so I played it and it was just, it was awesome. Now, granted, like I, I had, I was a long way away from one. I just played one through six and just finished six when I started it. But I was just like, man, this is like, it's like a fresh take on one. And it's got this kind of Space Quest four aesthetics to it. Um, and it's got that, uh, what do you call that? Like the, the, how the fifties thought the future would look like. 
like atomic. Oh world. yeah. Yeah, the atomic, essentially, yeah, future world kind of stuff. Right, exactly. So, yeah, Tomorrowland vibes. And, and it's just, I love that art style. So it had all that going for it. And because it's such a great art style for Space Quest, because it's like you get the whole, like, the way the 50s thought of the future. There was so much rocket ship, you know, outer space kind of uh, Sputnik you know, sort of stuff was going mm -hmm. on at the time. Like, think Iron Giant, right? So to put Roger in, like, this blue jumpsuit with, like, a, the fishbowl astronaut uh helmet like it was just so cool it was like so perfect for the vibe and for everything so anyway i that game has a completely different feel than space quest ega which mm -hmm. uh or agi or whatever it in the sense that like mark crow just did like his thing like using like white black purple and blue to or you know, cayenne and magenta to to make like to create a whole mood and like space quest agi has like it has a darker vibe to it. Like, cause they weren't, mm -hmm. they didn't know exactly who they were yet as like, you know, as a franchise, like, you know what I mean? The first, I think two, you're not Roger, you enter in your own name. And, and those first mm -hmm. two are like, they're a little darker. Like they're not always, always funny or, or overtly going for the joke. Like there, there are some like desolate themes to them and just like some moments of just like a little bit of creepiness even and things like that. So I, I get a tremendously different feel from those two games. So yeah, I would say, yeah, it's kind of everything. It's just it's just not a bad or good in either direction. Like like the okay, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll end this with some sort of coherent note, which is even in AGI, the, the AGI version of Space Quest offers perhaps more atmosphere and mood than the remake does, with far less mm -hmm. colors and far less pixels. Yeah, I like that. Dad, you know I feel that I feel everything you just said because every time. Okay, I'm going to go to Quest for Glory, but I could I, the same for Space Quest. I felt the same way. But I love this game. I've played it through so many times, ten different ways from Sunday. It's atmospheric. It can scare me. It can make me feel all the feels. When I found out Sierra was making a new one in VGA, it's just like awesome. More game that I love, and now I can see what all the things I didn't think to ask because in the typing game. You know, you can't like, you don't know everything you need to ask every single person. So there's lots of stuff that's kind of hidden. So with that, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to click on everybody and see everything. And you know, all the things I couldn't. But to me, there was like a sense of safety in the remakes in the atmosphere because mm, A, right. it was usually like point and click. It wasn't text. Things didn't keep moving. They were gonna take care of you a little bit better. Like, so in, in like, to me, it's not that it was more, or less atmospheric. I just I didn't feel like I was in the as important within the environment with the simpler graphics with the original game. Like I felt like I was right there. Like things were going to happen. It was kind of scary. Anything could happen. And then with the remake, I was just like, "Oh, this is beautiful. I can see everything. It's easier." By then, I knew how to play the game. Like it was never my right. first. Whatever the remake was, like some people would encounter it differently if it was their first. But anyways, so I'm seeing all the dialogue trees. I'm seeing what everything could potentially look like within the artist's rendering. And and I was always just so happy to have more of the game. But when I go back and I replay it. I go back to the original 90% of the time. The excitement for me for the remake was a novelty. And right. the excitement for me for the real game sticks with me. And I will keep playing it because I love it. Well, you hit the nail on the head, especially you open that with like, I think you said safer and, and they do, mm -hmm. they feel safer. It's almost more mm -hmm. predictable or you have mm -hmm. more leeway or more. The game has more patience with you. You feel safe mm -hmm. to wait around. 
like in an AGI game, like mm-hmm. you could feel really nervous just standing somewhere. <laughs> yes, the pressure and time is ticking. Even even Gold Rush, right? Like speaking of freaking atmosphere and not a huge amount of pixels, like the settings that this game created and the feeling of time rushing and it makes it happen. Because you know what? Fine, sit on your laurels and then what are you going to do? Which path are you going to take? Well, the game's not going to let you take any path you want now. You took too you freaking boat, long. Buddy. Yeah, right? You right. missed the boat. You're out of luck. It's like, oh my God, now I got to pay for that. And same in the timer in Quest for Glory. It's like, oh man, what? I'm sorry. You can't climb the wall and you didn't make it back home again. And the stable is closed. Just go to Arena's Peace. <gasps> There's enemies, you poor thing. I hope you have healing potions. It's like, ah, but like in the VGA remake, it's just like everything was easier. The fighting was easier the every the the health went up a little bit more whenever you took a potion it just it felt like it was all like so much easier which was fun that was fine right, right. well you would also said you hit the nail on the head again with the the, the novelty factor and, and it's funny mm-hmm. that jumping back to the space quest example that that art mm-hmm. that atomic art let's say has a tremendous novelty quality to it Mm-hmm. Where it's like mm-hmm. it does. You you want like a large mm-hmm. dose of it, like very just quickly at once, and then you'd be good for a while. Like it's there's just, <laughs> there, yeah, there's an and and so yeah, Space Quest One the remake just felt novelty. It looked novelty, and not in a bad way. Yeah, it was just it was mm-hmm. really just if you really love Space Quest, you just want more of mm-hmm. them. Like like you know, yeah. Do you like the movie? Buy the book. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, there's exactly. more of this lore in this world you might want to experience. And hey, if you like this, maybe you like another book that the same author wrote. I mean, you can keep going down that trail as far as you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In our case, you know, just read read the manual. It's probably sh- like shockingly large, especially in the case <laughs> of Gold Rush. That's, that's going to get you yeah. through a cold night. Oh, my God. Come Sorry, ahead. I'm just. I just today I was explaining to my son Jacob about time and care in preservation and historical accuracy within classic games. And as an example, he loves it when I'm do this. I'm like, come over here to the game shelf, son. And I open up the gold rush box. I'm like, they just don't pack them like they used to. And I I pull out the map and he's trying to like criticize the accuracy. I'm like, it's a computer game. Okay. Anyways, doesn't matter. I show him the map. I show him, I show him the book. I show him the instruction booklet. And actually that's what it was I was he was having an argument with me I'm like my computer has a disk drive but I can only use CDs in it and he's like you can put a disk in it it has a disk drive so I needed to open up the box and show him floppy disk in my opinion blue disk because blue disks are not floppy disks if you ask me and then you know CD-ROMs the differences between all three of them and and then I had to show him how they worked for copyright you know the little tab flicking and I was imagining he was super fascinated by this information but no <laughs> I love it right away he's like going attacking the accuracy it's like these look these maps were made before airplanes half of them okay like, you have no idea what it took <laughs> to him. <laughs> he's just like i don't know if i can trust this map it doesn't have whatever country it was i'm like dude that's because well this kid he knows places all around the world i don't i'm just like it's a map it's from a game come on isn't this cool 
it's fine. Kids are kids are good like that. But yeah, anyways, my whole point to this is look at think about the environment in one game. What has it done to immerse you in the gold rush era? You've got your beautiful graphics, you've got your timelines, you've got your book. It's a part of it. You've got your map. It's a part of it. Even the manual with your textured front. This game is doing everything it can to put you right into the gold rush. And it has to, because it's a little bit educational. So it's going to put in yeah. that extra couple of cents to get people intrigued. And it worked, right? Look at the cover. Look at, we, we talked on one of our previous episodes. How cool is the cover of this box, it's right? It's maybe the greatest box of all time. Yeah. It's the, true. It's the, true. The McNeil brothers slept in a bloody van in the parking mm -hmm. lot of Sierra to make this game for us people. I mean, just what else do we have mm -hmm. to say? I mean, Brian played it. We we got if nothing else. To be honest, we got one person to play it. That's kind of huge. So I think mm -hmm. we should we should probably cash in on that. But this this actually ties in really nicely to 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 our historical inspiration note, which is mm -hmm. like it's just a convoluted way of me trying to reword real realistic world or real world because I mean that in another way that we'll get to later. So, but I mean mm -hmm. historical in like like our like this our world this. <laughs> <laughs> Historically speaking, like the things that happened in our history are canon in the game. So, so that mm -hmm. that would be Gold Rush, right? Like, like the Sutter's camp mm -hmm. is the same Sutter, and you know, it's it's the, the exact our, uh, matching history. Boy, this is so mm -hmm. difficult. But anyway, I wanted to touch on some games like that because since we're on Gold Rush, and, and I'll lead us into from there is Gabriel Knight. I guess both of them really, because well, definitely the first and second because you because you've got. Um, why can't I think of the name? Louisiana, right? Mm -hmm. And and then you've got uh, Germany. So it's like, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's just a really. It's you were asking. I guess the main theme of this would be like, how does the environment like make you feel? Make you feel. And Gabriel Knight, or when it takes place somewhere historical, that translates to me as it makes me want to go there. It makes me want to mm -hmm. affect my actual life and like change the course of it by literally like at some point like traveling to a location I never would have gone to if not for a video game. Mm -hmm. And I've like, like yeah. some of our friends on, on a, a classic gamers guild Facebook page, just, just all met up. Uh, I think was Jackie a part of that who we just had the, on the yeah. show recently, just all Jackie's met up done it and Roberta and Nalani. And, and, and I think there, right. Hope who does the intro to our show. Yes. It sounds like me. Exactly. It is not me. It's in the credits. That's why we're just all twins because we love adventure right. games. But yeah, they all met up together. Roberta got a really cool photo of, of like the, the, the red recreation shots, a red photograph from, or screenshot from Gabriel Knight under the lamplight. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. But but the point is, is like it, you know, I I really I really want to take my son to to Europe soon, and I'm going to go to the places in Gabriel Knight too. Like I I already know that it's it is written. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Bear witness. So it's it's to say that what do the environments do for these games? Well, if they're done, you know, as well as Gabriel Knight two was in my example, or, or Gabriel Knight one in our friend's example, it's it makes you want to visit actual places if it's possible monkey islands another example how many people do you know want to go to you know the places where they say oh this is where the original monkey island yes was, and wherever the fuck that the is germany mm -hmm. yeah yes. people keep going <laughs> there i want to <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> it's okay that that place and it makes me want to um my obsession with graveyards comes it's from like german graveyards i'm square games. okay so sorry i think so <laughs> no it's okay you know it's what the way in the middle okay yeah, I do. It's all right. 
But yeah, my obsession with graveyards, I think, came from games, any games that have graveyards. I'd always loved reading the gravestone in the game. And of course, that led me to go to want to check out real graveyards in real life. Other people's houses, Quest for Glory, you break into them. That's fine. I've always loved going into other people's houses and, you know, yeah. looking around. I don't break into them. Like, well, obviously, I'm invited in, at least sure. not now that I'm an adult and I'm over the age of 18 of and I can get criminally charged with this stuff. But the point is, that is it also gets you Stay in private. Yes, checks out. <laughs> I thought it would. Frog racing championships. How many times have you wanted to take your horny frog and go to a frog jumping championship with him? Right? Right. Because of real world locations. Willie Beamish is a real world game. That I is bought so and killed a frog because of that game. True story. I really <laughs> yes. did. I didn't mean to kill him. Yes. It's not like I took him oh, home and no. ended his life and got some sort of sexual thrill from it. No. Mm. Why would I say that? <laughs> <laughs> and why wouldn't you edit it out? But he didn't. There it is. Carry on. No, I was okay. I was really young. I had a rat tail because of Willie Beamish. So that's mm -hmm. that's probably even a bigger one to mention. I had my entire hairstyle for like two years was because of Willie huh. Beamish like himself. Not and and I, uh, I yeah, I, I I requested uh a, a trio of frogs. I believe it was. And they were like watery frogs, you know, so not a toad, but an actual frog. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> and one morning I woke up and they were floating with, with uh, white fuzz all over them. And mm. that was, that was the end of my frog adventure. So I just, I, sorry, I had to kill the vibe with the story. Cause I'm like, great. Now I sound like a frog murderer. I better, you know, make it clear <laughs> I was a child and they just, you know, all I did was sleep and they died, man. I probably fed them. It's my parents did. It's fine. Like, just get off my back about these <laughs> Oh man, all the emails that are just going to come flying in. Oh, you know what you did and how that happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we really do. Uh, okay, riveting so down our necks like, <laughs> oh my God. So, okay, what you just said ties into one of the questions I asked for us and, and answered myself, which the question is, uh, we're going to do this Jeopardy style, because you said tombstones, how much you love them. Mm -hmm. And I do too. So I put them as an example of environmental storytelling. Which is like mm. how do game developers use the environment to tell a story or give hints about the the game's world and like in other words like how almost how does a background of a, a does does it wait do we always call them background or am I calling them backgrounds from from making the game they're always called backgrounds right yeah the background the back, like what not the foreground right the exactly yeah. right. <laughs> Not the foreground. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, it's like how do you how do you get a story from from a background like a, a mostly static, if not completely static background, and like yeah, tombstones. So like there mm -hmm. you are, just clicking on spots of a photograph essentially, and like you feel like you're there. You feel like you're at. I mean, if it's again, if it's done right, you, you, in Gabriel Knight one, it was in Gold Rush, as you mentioned, and so on. Uh, so on means I can't think of it anymore, but you can feel King's like King's Quest Four because the graveyard oh is God, scary yeah. and it's atmospheric. Okay, and the forest with the trees where you have to carry the axe is petrifying. And I know I was a kid, but I still remember those feelings today. Yeah, well, even then, right? And the scary, mirror yeah. in the house at nighttime when you walk by it. I mean, tell me that house is not eerie, right? Like yeah. it is such an atmospheric game, and that graveyard is fucking so atmospheric. Ugh. Yeah, no, that game, the use of day and night is just like, I, it's, mm -hmm. I don't know, sure if it'll ever be done as effectively again, because somebody could, somebody could pull it off as well as they did. And I would be like, wow, that was, just, that was just like uh, King's Quest four, like the way they pulled off that shift, like I made it, I, we, I had done probably 80 podcasts 
um, mm-hmm. like I, that's how deep into classic games and Sierra I was before I had actually played King's Quest Four. But more miraculously, is that I made it that long without it being truly spoiled for me. So like when mm-hmm. it first turned to nighttime, like it was one of the coolest moments I've ever had playing a game. Like I was like mm-hmm. I don't know, like probably like thirty four or five years old, <laughs> and like I'm just like <laughs> super creeped out and everything just like felt like betrayal in a sense like this game just turned on me and like suddenly i couldn't trust anything anywhere and like every click was bugging me out and it was just awesome incredible you and the unicorn both felt that way (laughs) very good (laughs) accurate yeah dude um so yeah it's okay so what else do we have for environmental storytelling um i'm not gonna just like bail on you i'm looking through pictures that's okay I, I gave you four monkey Island frog racing championships, my obsession with graveyards and other people's houses, which I do not rob and never have. And never. Yeah, no, that's a fact though. All right. Well, let's talk about the second about one. I don't think I even wrote down, but I wanted to bring up, which is like uh, artistic direction. Like when, it, when, when a game has such a strong styling that it carries over. Mm-hmm. So I, the, the the biggest example I really can think of is is Space Quest Five, and since we had just mentioned it, Willie Beamish, where mm-hmm. it's just like, holy cow, were they made by the same person? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I think Scott Murphy had, had joked. He said that he always called Space Quest Five like Roger Beamish or something like that, which is just like so <laughs> spot on because like whoever made these games has like they really like beige. They they are all about mm-hmm. some pinkish beige, man. There's just I hope that resonates with some of our listeners. Like if you think Space Quest Five and you saw a lot of beige or khaki, same with Willie Beamish. It's just it's a thing. I don't know what the deal is. It looks fantastic, but it it's a it's like once you notice it, you can't unnotice it. And you're like, wow. It's it's a weird choice. It works and it's amazing. And thank God it is what it is, because there's so many games that don't use a ton of beige that it's actually refreshing. But it's mm-hmm. um yeah, so anyway, that's <laughs> I've said beige way too many times in like a minute and a half. Do you have any examples where it's not the same game series, but the games look identical? The environment feels the same, let's say. I'm just trying to like think about like maybe Police Quest 3 moving into Blue Force mixed with like a bit of Blade Runner. Because I'm like, it's all kind of within that few year time period. Jim Walls is involved in all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, good cause. Uh, Police Quest Three and Gabriel Knight for sure. Mm-hmm. What's that? Jane yeah. Jensen involved, so there's that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then um, what else could you do? Like the hand painted background. So what? Space Quest Four and King's Quest Five. Right. Well played. I thought that I ran us into a dead end with this one, and you made that not true. Thank you so much. <laughs> amazing, because that's yeah, the hand painted background kind of phase or era. Hmm. Oh, very good. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so- that was a fun time actually, because I was obsessed with the hand painted. I'd go around telling all my friends who didn't give a shit, and I'm just like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, you've got your Nintendo games, but do your games have hand painted backgrounds? And do you even know what rotoscoping is?" <laughs> God, that adventure game girl is so pretentious. <laughs> so true. And it's like they come to my house and they're like, "Fine, fine, we'll play your game." I'm like, "Da da da da." You watch me play the game because you don't understand how to play the game. Emily, Emily, <laughs> sweetheart, we're not starting on King's Quest 1. Okay, you, you have to go all the way back. You won't appreciate this. 
<laughs> yeah, it's just not going to work that way. But yeah, there's there's a couple that are like that that are just oh um okay I hate to say it but Mask of Eternity and Quest for Glory Five they're right in that same time period right. and they kind of have some of those same chunky 3D mechanics going on. And the trailer for Space Quest Seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, where is that game? No, it's hanging no. out with Leisure Suit Larry Four. <clears throat> I, I, yeah, we do need to get trolls back on. That's another question I got for me. I want to do a whole Space Quest episode. Do you hear me? You don't have to listen to the episode. But one of your people shall pass it on to you <laughs> through the magic land of Discord that we want you back to talk about Space Quest. I'll find you in my messages forthwith. Do not be afraid to wear something pretty to the interview. <laughs> That's right. Or nothing at all. It's whatever makes you comfortable. It's, it's funny. That's a joke I just took out of my game. I'm like, does that sound sexiest? I better take it out. No. <laughs> I mean, did you? Oh, that's funny. I that's did. Hard yeah, know. it might go back in because it is a ghost talking mm -hmm. to to a human, and they're both dudes, so it's it's probably fine. Mm -hmm. uh, I can I can objectify my own fictional character. <laughs> Gets how fiction's made, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Okay, let's do we got so many more numbers. We don't have to we're not gonna do them all, which is probably good. But let's do let's do atmosphere. That's a fun one. So mm -hmm. what do we what when you just think like like lighting and, and dr like dramatic lighting and, and maybe the weather is a character in a sense. You know what I mean? Like a, a just moodiness. What do you think? Yeah. Cross country Canada. Oh my I know God. you've never <laughs> It's like, wow. it's wet and it's raining and you don't have any gas. Do you pick up the hitchhiker? Have you slept recently? Where are you getting those gosh darn potatoes? Wow. It's, it's, it's a super atmosphere. You, you end up in a crappy little motel, but you don't even have enough money. So you got to like sleep in your truck and you don't get enough sleep. And you're really feeling the slog. How many more stops to make? And then what happens at the end? You're rewarded by getting another job you have to do all over Canada. Wow. More potatoes. What a... What a what an advert for a game. You're like, you're really feeling the slog. I can't take any more fucking potatoes. <laughs> and when you're done, you get to get another shitty job. <laughs> like, wow. It's edutainment, Long man. winter's up there, huh? Jeez Louise. <laughs> Long enough that we play the game. <laughs> But no, that's that's kind of a jokey answer, but it should get you started on one of your real answers. It did not because it was too good. It, honestly, <laughs> it was that was too much fun to zone out and think of my own you know, selfish thing. I was you had me with that one. I'm still wondering what if is, there's a beaver in the game at all at any point. I'll let you know for sure. If there's this one. OK, what about a game like Thexter and or like one of those games where you're in the environment and OK, that's right. That's what I'm trying to say. You already kind of asked, and this isn't even answering your question really, but the music, you need the music to make the environment. And I know that's a separate episode, but I was saying the same thing to James earlier. And he, I said, what would happen to you if I took the music out of Elder Scrolls Arena or out of Panzer General Assault, what, which is 3D Assault, which is what he's playing now? I said, how much of the environment, uh, the feeling of where you are, would you lose? He said 80 to 90%. So what is the environment without the music with it? Right. You know, it's funny too, because I had music under, under atmosphere where I was like lighting, <laughs> weather and atmosphere and I, or and music. and I got rid of mm -hmm. music. Cause I'm like, you know, well, yeah, cause that's a whole different thing. Like you said, but you're mm -hmm. absolutely right. It all does fit. And, and I guess I'll just add to that. The games that don't play music at the right times are the ones that, that I remember. Mm -hmm. And, and, and mm -hmm. just, I'll just, just the best example of that I think is, is Thimbleweed Park for me, where it's mm -hmm. just like, 
dripping with moodiness. It completely fits. It's not overbearing. It feels like kind of like a kind of like a friend. Like it's just like somebody's kind of there for you in the dark sort of feeling where you're not alone. Yeah, you're not mm-hmm. alone. And then sometimes it's just not there, and all you hear is cicadas or whatever they're called, crickets. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just adds. It doesn't make it scary, but like you, all of a sudden you feel alone or desolate or. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. Be- does that really well actually the yeah. colonel's bequest game uses very very simple sound and not a huge amount of music and a lot of ambiance right i just cleared my throat so definitively that, that my son looked at me like what? Dude, what are you what are you trying to tell me um, am i in trouble or do you need to let me know there's somebody outside the window oh my god like this i just pressed mute so i could do a good clearing <laughs> you know I'm working in there but yeah the, yeah uh colonel's bequest does it really good so yeah i just wanted to shout out to any of the games that leave like that head that the headspace where you can just like mm-hmm. it, it's something i want to do for my game because it's like with thimbleweed park where it's it's what am i trying to say oh that it's an invest if it's an investigation then it mm-hmm. calls for it because it's like even if it's a comedy you're still like investigating so it's like for mm-hmm. it to suddenly just kind of go quiet and all of a sudden you notice like the darker themes to the room and like you know where the light isn't it's mm-hmm. cool it is and and that's it actually okay back to king's quest 4 and the troll cave is a great example of that right yes you don't know what isn't you don't know what is you barely have shadows you're going by sound and you're going by what light you have and it's fucking it's so scary yeah yeah and you know this is this is maybe a stretch because there's there's like a almost visual joke to it but the intro to space quest 2 like the visual joke just being that that, you know you're you are mopping (laughs) yeah it's it's Mm -hmm. kind of funny that you're you're mopping as a spaceship but so like you would argue that cuts all tension but it's like it really, it didn't for me, and it still doesn't for me. Like it just has this this complete like space odyssey feeling that 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 isolation and and just like in the like the infinity of space, and it's like just quiet and dark and still and calm, and you're just out there like quietly, slowly cleaning something. Mm-hmm. And and this, it's just I don't know. Yeah, there's something about it. it feels it feels like isolated in a sense, right? So King's yeah. Quest 4 comes up a lot. That's interesting. It but is. I'm and I, it's, I don't even know if it's nostalgia, man. That's a bloody pretty game. And I keep, you know, my head is filled with that game. And even the simple sounds. I didn't even have a Roland or nothing. I had no sound blaster. I'd like, doodle-doo-doo, doodle-doo-doo. Like, it was just, it was simple. And yet the, the songs stick in my head. The atmosphere of that game sticks in my head. And maybe it's because it's my first game. But then I talk to you and you're like, no, no, it's super relevant. I didn't play it till I was 30-something. So. Yeah. No, it's one, of, it's one of their absolute finest. It's so good. Like, it it, it was at the, well, no, everybody played it before 5 and 6. But again, because I, I played them, same as I described Space Quest earlier. I played them all, like, in a row within a month or two and and i was just like i was left wanting with five and six just because four was just so just such a masterpiece it was so good and and six might be under overrated but we'll get into mm-hmm. that another time let's I probably should just drop that on there and then move on but six is whimsical and it does have a great atmosphere and certain scenes really stick with people and i think it's really good at doing that you know it, it uses its own imagination you don't have to use yours as much and it, it's very well done that way 
it, I think it does what it's trying to do. Yeah, it, it does everything really well, and I think it's like a personal preference. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's like a, it's striking a chord that I'm just like, it just kind of missed for me. Like, because I, th- yeah. I think I like five a little better in the sense of five. At least it feels like a grand adventure, like a cliche do you feel adventure. It? Are you hot? Like, okay, compare deserts. Desert in an early Space Quest game or in an early King's Quest game to a desert in King's Quest V. Like in King's Quest V, you can kind of really feel that feel desolation of the desert. Beautiful. Quaint like Quest Cross for Country Glory Canada. Too. Now I get yes. you. Yes. Yeah, I get you now. <laughs> you That's get what it. you meant. Right. Yes. Yes. Because you appreciate the grind where it's just like, yes. oh, like sledging through. The, like, yeah, something you wouldn't describe oh. well. Right. Or it'd be like, oh, I was just going through the desert for like 45 minutes. And then, but yeah, but it's, you look back on it fondly if it was done right. And it, yeah, it totally was. For both, like, yeah. great, great call with Space Quest 2, because for, for both mm-hmm. of those, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Quest for Glory 2, Trial by Fire, it's essentially set in a desert. And you have to use identification of, of like, maybe there's a rock over here that wasn't on this screen. And you know what it does is it actually flips the screen partway through, right? If you played the game briefly, you might have noticed you need a compass because if you go too far, everything flips. So you're going in the opposite direction, which is really confusing, but really good for a kid when they're trying to learn compass directions. But you're just like, by the time you find the oasis, you're feeling the same way. You're like, <gasps> like I need a drink. Where's my water skin? It made me want to have a water skin to put right. water in so I could be like that. Right. So yeah. it, it was you know, beautiful game. It's, it's funny too, because you'll do things like, well, I would say as a kid, but I do now too, where it's like, I'll have mm-hmm. to pee really bad. And I'll be like, not until I find it. <laughs> mm-hmm. These little ways of like torturing myself where I'm like, just go two more screens and then you can go. And like, mm-hmm. it, it can, I, you can make yourself like, you know, fall into the scene where it's like, you have to pee really bad, but you got to just keep getting through this desert, man. And then you look back with this like weird suspense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That was more pee centric than I meant to make it at the end, but it's, it's fine. I, I got, okay. I got one I wanted to go over before, before we run out of time. I wanted to go mm-hmm. over real world environments versus like stylized world environments. Okay. So yes. What, good one. So what's it's, it's, I was thinking earlier, I'm like, I, I, I was making this, you know, bold proclamation to myself of, I like adventure games that take place in the real world the best. And I knew that about myself. Cause I thought about this a lot with doing the phantom fellows where I'm like, I want this, there comes that time where you, you, you I attempted my, I, I like flirted or courted myself, yeah, flirted with the idea of some like grand sci-fi world where like anything you think of you can do because it's like once mm-hmm. you decide to do a game in the real world like you're, you're tied to all of our rules for better or worse and there is like this kind of creative temptation to be like yeah but what if you weren't <laughs> <laughs> um but i you know I, I chose the real world because i'd like it the, the most like gold rush and gabriel knight and police quest and things like this mm-hmm. so then I was thinking that almost all adventure games are in the real world, let's say. like, mm-hmm. and, and so I, this is a two-part question. One, what's up with that? <laughs> Does it have to do with puzzles? Because that's the first thing that comes to mind. It's like just being able to conceptualize from a development point of view, like what a puzzle would even be. Start taking like real world stuff and figuring that out. So, mm-hmm. so I, that's part of the question. But the other part of the question is, is like, when is it not the real world, but it is to them so like monkey island like that's not our real world this kind of goes back to earlier when i was stumbling over the whole historical versus real thing like what if it's not our history but it's like a real world you know what Mm -hmm. i mean does that make sense at all 
Yeah, I mean, and you can put that in the past or in the history or in the present too. Like, okay, for example, you want to do like the Pandora Directive, the Tex Murphy game. It's set in the future. I think it's in like 2043 or something. And it is the real world. Technically, it's just another version of it. There's Gold Rush, which is set in the real, real world. There's Donald Duck's Playground, which is set within the aesthetics of a real world with real world concepts. What about Full Throttle? None of that exists, right? But it's real. You're on a road. It's in a real place. You can go to a diner. You're on the motorcycle. You can find the place on a map. Sam and Max, think about that. Um, is it in a real world? No, it's entirely fictional, but it's kind of based within the, the concept of a real world. King's Quest games are in the real world with fairy tale added. So it's like the real world plus lore or something. Right. No, that's valid too, though. You're right. Because they're almost, yeah, they're almost as limited, more limited to the real world, those kind of games, mm -hmm. you know, just so yeah. strict with like, this is how things are. Like, it just so happens there's fairies and shit here, but that doesn't mean that we fuck around with. <laughs> yeah. We can't just up and start flying for no reason, right? right? There's no magic potions in that same. You can make a spell if you follow a specific subset of ideas, but that's fairy tale land still. It's still in the real world. Like, -na 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 doesn't live in like the sky on a cloud castle. The Quest for Glory took it more in that direction of a little bit more wild and, you know, animated creatures and, you know, creatures that don't exist in this world and, and less fairy tale and more myth, mythological legend based in lore or Greek mythology, yada, yada, yada. So. Right. Yeah. So I get, right. Okay. That's, I guess, where you would have to draw a line and say, <laughs> yeah. Like it's, you know, like everything's going to be a real world to them. Mm -hmm. the Within in. their world. It's like Avatar. It's, yeah, us. it's based in a real world. The Sarah Star Trek, right? You're a Klingon or something. It's It's got a language. It's got an alphabet. We've got lore. We've got history on it. We've got, you know, people that can actually speak it, but it's most certainly not a real world. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's not ours. So, so okay. Mm -hmm. First thing comes to mind is like Space Quest Six. Like those, that's mm -hmm. the tricky territory because that that, yeah. that just seems like like a, a like a guesstimation of what the what our world would look like in the future. Mm -hmm. It's even yeah. as like gritty in that specific case. Like it's not as glamorized as a lot of you know tales of the future are. Um, or Freddy Farkas, like that's not in the real world, but isn't it? Right. And so I guess, I guess really the real world thing has to be completely separated from stylization. It has nothing to do with mm -hmm. it because Sam mm -hmm. and Max is heavily stylized. Right. But it's also in the yeah. real world, as you pointed out, there's really, well, eh, no, it's not. Cause there's there, it is a dog and a rabbit. See, well, yeah, that is true. <laughs> well, in space quest, it's like, it's the real world, but what about like, you know, buddy at a shop or any of the other weird and wacky alien creatures. And I guess you could say it's real world if technically there's aliens and technically we haven't met them yet. There's so many hyper. Yeah. It's almost like you have to discount them though. I think, I think you're, mm -hmm. I think you're kind of getting to something there. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. Then you, yeah. It leaves so, way too much open for it. It's like, but wouldn't that be more in a world where it's already the future or, you know, that they know mm -hmm. that there's aliens or yeah. Like Callahan's cross time saloon or something like this is just, this is not something that's generally happening, but it's at a pub. Well, do pubs exist? Okay. What about hitchhiker's guide? Is that real? Well, it's Islington and everybody's on earth and everything's fine, but then the earth gets blown up and you are off on a spaceship and having an adventure. At what point is this not based in the real world anymore? Right. Right. Yeah. 
Dang. Okay. So that actually takes, because once we get rid of all of those, then it's knocked down to very few again. So now we're back mm-hmm. down to like your police quest, mm-hmm. uh, Gabriel Knight. Gold Rush. Gold Rush. Thank you. Laura Bow. Laura Bow. Yep. Yeah, I'd say Laura Bow, both of them. I'd say the first, see, it's weird with Leisure Suit Larry. It's like, I would, I'm tempted to say like the first three, but not the other, the last three, but I think that's just the stylization difference. I think, yeah, they're all kind of based in the real, real slutty world that they're in. Yeah. Right. It does get more and more extreme too, though. That does help the, the, like, at least where the mind frame's coming from. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, okay, if you're, is it, beginning? Yeah. These girls aren't going to act like that. This guy's not going to act like this. This isn't the real world at all. But we're talking setting, so. Right, but it is funny how the stylization affects the the recollection, right? Or it's mm-hmm. like the more stylized Larry got, the less real it felt to me. Yeah, yeah, it's actually that's very very true. The more and you know, it's you've got me thinking this whole time about the nostalgia factor, and and you said, well, maybe it's uh, the nostalgia factor must have worn off by now, and it's really. In the environment, it's really something to consider. And I think your King's Quest Four again, is the perfect idea of how much the nostalgia factor isn't necessarily in play, although it's there with the graphics. Like, you're going to be more nostalgic about that kind of graphic than maybe playing a Gabriel Knight game or something. But I don't know. It's not as strong as I thought it was. I think nostalgia played a bigger part in why I like the pixelated graphics more than it actually does. Right. It is tough. Okay. Because I'm obviously a great, like, what's making your case, right? Because I was in my Mm mid-30s, and and I had never played King's King's Quest IV before, and I put it immediately in, like, my top at least 10 favorite games Mm -hmm. ever. Like, it's, it's, it's that good. But you could argue I have the proclivity to, like, those style, you know, those style games. Mm-hmm. I think I used to bang on on this show that SCI Zero specifically was my favorite <laughs> era because every game was like perfect, except for Ice Man, um, which is so unfair because I haven't played it. Just bandwagoning. It's for the joke, <laughs> man. But but so like yeah, I, I, but it almost feels like gra- like more and more grasping when you're like yeah, but it's because you have a proclivity to like Sierra games that that you know that you liked it. But it's like I don't know, man. Like I had no no actual childhood connection to that game, and and to this day, like the styles of arts that we see in in, in computer games or just video games in general is either three D or pixel art. Like you can't you can't you can't ignore that. Like thirty percent of the market seems to be pixel art, or the popularity of Minecraft to kids who never played like this. You know, like mm-hmm. Minecraft was already like a parody of pixel art, like in, in 2001 or so when it came out <laughs> or 2004, whatever, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's like people like pixel art regardless of nostalgia, I think is my point. And, and just, yep, I, I think so. I think it's fair to say that, that nostalgia didn't have much to do with me liking King's quest. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, like I really didn't like the first three, three King's quests at all. No, I didn't neither did I. I, I didn't understand them. I ended up following a walkthrough cause I'm like, I'm not going to deal with this bullshit. And I know people are nostalgic and they got them first and they're supposed to be the best ones. And I liked them. But for me, they were a challenge I had to save up my time for. And I had to wait till I had a game guide that it was one of those, you know, Corish's video game compilations. It was like the third edition. There was no first edition and no second edition. It was just randomly a third edition that happened. It's sitting in front of me now. But yeah, they were scary. They were super scary games. Everything moved so fast and I couldn't finish them by myself. Yeah, well, like one and two just wasn't enjoyable, but I think that's, no. I think a lot of that is just, it, it was, it was super old and the, the, the Roberta Williams like design was, 
excruciating. It, it, mm-hmm. Unless it was, again, like I'm totally in defense of it in its time, like in 1984 when there wasn't like a whole lot to do. And like that was your own, that was not only the only adventure, graphic adventure game, but it was also the only graphic adventure game. <laughs> it's not like you could take a break from King's Quest 1 when it came out and play something else. I mean, it was. Mm-hmm. It was no. the first one of its kind. So Here my, it is. my point is like <laughs> the first two should be respected historically and yes. I, they obviously you can't play King Oh did oh, I sorry my cat just Yeah you just Yeah, yeah. sorry flashbacks not naming names but um anyway the and then the third one had potential like I think it was done by the McNeil brothers on the art division or one of the, mm-hmm. one of the two of them is an artist. And I think he did the art for the early King's quest. That like, makes sense. King's quest three looks remarkably similar to gold rush, which we both it does. love. And, and so I love, I want to, I love the idea of King's quest three, like the, the way you peer into each room. And I, I even like the timing aspect of it. Like mm-hmm. where, where, you know, you have a set amount of time to go out and do the things you need to do or run up in his, in Menenin's room while you have the chance. And, and yeah, there's some great ideas and stuff behind it, but it's just mercilessly difficult. Like that's why the remake's almost better. It. I like the pixels, but I like the fan remake that Infamous Quest did. I think on King's Quest Three, it's very well done. It's very much less stressful. The clock timer's right on the screen when stuff has to happen, and it's a really nice, really authentic remake. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, I, I'm sorry. That was the wrong tone of my, yeah. That was a, yeah, I've played it, yeah. I meant to be like, yeah, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was nice. Anyways, I, w- I wouldn't say not to check it out. And if you're scared of the third one, try the remake instead. It is a little really bit more relaxed. I really eventually someday. Yeah, we both know I have mm-hmm. like a homework list of games to play right now. But one day mm-hmm. I like the idea of doing that because I, I really liked the Space Quest remakes that they did that I checked out from mm-hmm. from them and AGI if they both of them. But um, mm-hmm. um it's not AGI, AGD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's AGD. AGD Interactive. I've I've been ever since I don't know if you've ever played Al Ammo in the Lost Dutchman's Mine. No, I do own it. I see it in my library on like Fireflower, somewhere random, but yeah, I I know I've never played it. Yeah, the aspect ratios messed up. They were never able to quite figure right. it out. But if you don't mind doing a little bit of tinkering on your own, you can kind of magnify and make it work. But it is it is truly a labor of love. It is a true love letter to Sierra and to uh, the uh, Leisure Suit Larry games. They had the whole philosophy of everything that you click on needs to say something or do something. You don't need a hotspot hmm. because everything is a hotspot. It's funny. It's whimsical. It's interactive. If you can see it, you can click it. It's a flipping good game, dude. And it has a lot of the philosophies I've heard you bring. All right. Let's end, let's end on a fun one. Let's just do, I got, I got one down here. It says, pick your favorite. Okay. We got to do one nature, one fictional and one real world based environment game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's do let's do f- one fictional one first okay. on each of us. Okay. Um dang. <laughs> he lets out an audible dang. It's that's it there's so many. Um Yeah, that's what I had trouble with on this one too, to just pick God. one. God, I guess I guess I have to go. Well, when I when I thought about it earlier, I thought Space Quest, because I'm like I mm-hmm. I told myself, don't forget, Paul. Uh Fictional is also sci-fi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if it helps you, you can think sci-fi. But um, right, because like a fictional world, like not at all based in our our world, right? So so mm-hmm. so even like this wouldn't be King's Quest or Quest for Glo- like like because that that's that's 
that's like a nature world. <laughs> it's kind of, as a poor explanation, but that's how I meant it. In other words, where it's like, you know, a nature based game or, or a, just a f- like completely fictional based game where like the world is nonsense, like, like a day of the technical, I guess you could say, um, or mm-hmm. even Sam and Max. So, all right. Um, I'll go, I'm going to go with space quest. Um, I'm going to go space quest three. Okay. I, I'm not surprised. I have a, my, my answer is a space quest game too. It's just not that one. Ah, which one is it? Four. For very specific feel reasons. It is your hand-painted era, too. Right? That's, it is the hand-painted era. It is It is the... I, I like the whole beginning of the game and the tone that it sets and how it makes me feel and how freaking scary it is. Even for my kids, they come up when I'm playing it and they walk behind me and the guy comes up pointing his finger at you in the beginning or right. just understanding what to do with the unstable ordinance. Like everything about that game, the, the galaxy Galleria when you're being chased by the time cops and you know, Oh my God, being at the mall itself was the fucking coolest thing for me that made me love the game so much that has to be my answer tell me why three is your answer it's such a good the the mall just say real quick we always mention like like kind of mess with the idea of like what about sierra felt open world to us and Mm -hmm. and i think the mall is part of that because as like a kid it like it felt like i was actually going to a mall in a sense like it just had this freedom and the arcade the different yeah freedom of choice exactly you could choose where you went and stores closed and yeah and then okay so three it's like i think it's i think it's probably the most beautiful ah god colonel's bequest is so masterful though it's just it's it's (laughs) an incredibly beautiful ega palette the the art the artwork in that game from Mark Crow is just insane. It's so good. And then the other the other like the left right KO here is is the the music is the moodiness mm-hmm. of the atmosphere because it, like speaking of like using silence correctly and then just the occasional kind of haunting whistle of of, of even the theme like would just play every now and then with like a dun, 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 you know just these like mm-hmm. little drum beats and then it would echo out. Sorry, it's totally audibly rubbing my eye there if it got it i wonder if it made any gross wet sounds you know like a sound effects <laughs> that's what we're here for the people are here for this the few that have stayed this long i know yeah that's for you man this eye rubs for you <laughs> okay but no it's space quest three um yeah okay mm-hmm. we got that okay, yes so- okay nature based right yeah so like for this i'm just thinking yeah where it takes place outside kind of plain and mm-hmm. simply yeah because um, my answer to that is like literally Quest for Glory 1. It all takes place outside and Arena's, Arena's Peace is a beautiful garden that I could spend all day in. It's really, this one's really hard because there's so many outside games. Like mm-hmm. King's Quest 5 is, is quite is quite something to, to look at and, and is, is uh, yeah, I would say pretty much with an asterisk mark, you know, don't be a dick about it, but it's all outside. Okay, mm-hmm. like he goes in a few shops, but he's mostly outside, like, um, so we just set ground rules. Look, they're allowed to go inside for breaks. <laughs> it's still an outside game. It's like Larry's not an outside game. You have to catch cabs around. You have to be on a cruise ship. It's not really an, maybe Larry three has in some. Right. But even stuff, that's, but, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Larry three is a good example of taking advantage of our rules where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. look, the path is outside. That's just like how you travel. <laughs> <Pretty Exactly. much. laughs> um, Longbow is amazing. Um, Mm-hmm. Gold Rush. I'm gonna go Conquest, with. Yeah. I'm gonna oddly. I'm gonna go with Echo Quest. Both of them. Because mm-hmm. I really, I okay. love those. So I know. I, I did right. 
<laughs> I'm gonna go with the Sierra title. Um, <laughs> Shocker. Never guess what Paul chooses during his selections on this week's podcast episode. Hint, it might start with an S. <laughs> Uh, because I played, I played Echo Quest more than I, more than I, I talk about. Because I was going to Space Quest, like I just subconsciously tried to do a second ago. I'm sure that was audible. It was like Echo Quest, but like the the first one, I don't know. The first one captured the same vibes for me as Willie Beamish did. Or like I just, mm-hmm. I felt like, and I was, I was Willie's age ish. I was Adam's age ish, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my dad scuba dived, so there was kind of that on, on my advantage side. But the, then the freedom of the oceans, and then again with with uh, the secrets of the rainforest, just being, you know, in, in the rainforest. So, yeah, those are my outside outsides. And you pick Quest for Glory 1, EGA? Yeah, most, yeah, the, what was it, the one, the SDI? I know, Is that guys. what I'm supposed to say? I'm not good with those names. The, the early graphics, pretty, pretty. Right, that's exactly it. Well done. <laughs> I couldn't dare correct that. It's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Just yeah, streams running and all that outdoors stuff, and yeah, okay. And then the other one was real world based. Wouldn't it be funny if like if like our code name was like if one of us had to pee, we said streams running, <laughs> streams running, <laughs> and then uh, it's outside and streams running. We have a streams <laughs> running. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Sorry. So, <laughs> what about what's our third one? Telling everyone our secrets. Jesus. <laughs> Now we're going to have to come up with a new code word. Okay, we're going to call it Might and Magic. Wow, I got a Might and Magic. That sounds, <laughs> sounds like more. Yeah, it sounds like a urination will be disappointing. <laughs> well, I'll try it first thing in the morning instead. You might be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> oh, God. All right, we got, last one. we got one last one, which mm-hmm. is... Uh, real world. Real Real, real world. Not like the show. Wow. No. No. Thank God. Mm-hmm. So are we both just going to say Gold Rush and then the episode's over or what? That, that would be, I know I'm looking <laughs> at like the three boxes I can barely see right now. Like which one of you guys? Um, did I have one? I thought I, if, uh, I'll go, I'm going to go with Larabo vaguely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In general, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to pick yeah. between the two because, man, no, I she would really like Dagger of Amon Ra. Like, I might like it more. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I want to be honest with myself about that because <laughs> I, I, I think I'm cooler if I like Colonel's Quest more. It feels know, more authentic. It's the parser, it's full murder mystery, it's like the greatest art ever. But, man, I just I really love Dagger of Amon Ra for some reason. Love that game. So, it's a beautiful game. That's my choice. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, Gold Rush. <laughs> oh, you are doing I'm, that. Okay. No, yeah. I'm just I Conquest of Camelot, I could say, but it's technically not set in real time because it's fictional historical, right? Is it? That's Is it? Well, it's, you know, Probably. you haven't played it yet, right? It's no. like the Grail and, you know, Lancelot and Camelot and all those Gwen, Guinevere and, you know, that all those I just, things. Yeah, sorry. I had to, like, orient Mystical myself. Mystical rocks. And, you? Christy you know. Marks, Longbow, because I got mixed up with Jensen. Yeah, because so I get, because Longbow's, yeah, true to yeah. the true to the myth anyway, if that's not an oxymoron, yes. right? And yeah. Camelot is also true to the myth. Yes. Yeah. Indeed, 100% well-researched, true to the myth. 
just like Jem was true to her myth. But yeah, <laughs> I just I just don't know if you can call it real world again because it's real world fictional. I th- we okay. We can. We just need a better name for it because it's mm. that, that that would piss people off. Like pedant, you know, pedantically nerdy speaking, and not actual anger piss off. But like, how about historically accurate and not like? Because I mean, was the was any of that real? Like, and it depends on who you ask. Right. Yeah. We can't use historical either because that's yeah. It's got to be like a way to say that it's like, dang it. But you're mm-hmm. right about historical though because it has to line up from the years, right? You can't just mm-hmm. be like how the world is to us. Like, well, what do you mean? What, like if we meant in the 13th century, cause right. It's like, ah, dang, this is really hard to work out verbally. I don't know. I don't know how to word that. Mm-hmm. Oh, what about Blade Runner? It's in the real world technically then I guess, except it's not, but it's in the future or again, back to the Pandora directive. It's in the real world. It's just in the future 40 years. Right. It's like, need a willing dance partner to explain this. Cause it's mm-hmm. like granted, like it's, you have to imagine certain things and you have to make predictions to write the future, but it's mm-hmm. like, we're, you have to assume too, that we're playing fairly with one another and, mm-hmm. and we're only trying to invent things for this world, say Blade Runner, that it, that it could happen in a fictional mm-hmm. sense. I'm going to stand with gold rush. <laughs> Final answer. Solid. Beautiful. <sighs> so uh, I was kind of wondering what's up in the dev corner of your world, Paul. Dude. Dude. So I bet much. you there's some epic stuff happening right now. Yeah, it is. It's so hard. You know, this is, it's, just, <laughs> it's a lot of real difficult stuff, man. It's yeah. like I had, to, I had to sit down. Like I woke up the other day. I'm like, okay, today we're doing – the GUI for the, the last puzzle. So GUI, it's like, <laughs> like, like, you know, graphic that pops up on the screen. It's like different from, from, you know, might be like where you work the radio or something, right? Just vague example, mm-hmm. not related, literally. And it's like, so you got to like program the GUI and I'm like, or better yet, here's the more simple one I also had to do was a keypad. And I'm like, well, on one hand, it feels like a basic programmer thing. Like, oh, you've never decoded or key, you know, key thing before, like, you know, that's something you'll do in the adventure game business. And you're going to code a lot of keyboards. You're going <laughs> to <laughs> first one, huh? But no, it's it, on the other hand though, like out, I, I think outside of like, you know, this stuff being normal, even just learning and work, even like to a listener right now, they, they can easily work DOS box. Like mm-hmm. you're a magician to the, to the common folk. <laughs> the average person does does not know what to do with computers like 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 the 80% i would say and so mm-hmm. it's just like you know they would look at dos like that's that straight up lines of code that you're running and mm-hmm. you're just like I, I just it's just c colon and then my follow cd is but anyway so <laughs> on the other hand i was trying to give myself credit i'm like well i mean you're kind of coding an actual keypad it's like there's no physical buttons but i mean you are having to just wake up this morning and figure out how to do that like how am i going to you know, design and make a keypad work. Like, what is uh, <laughs> is that math? You know, is that <laughs> what do we use to get there? And just anyway, so that's I, I'd made the keypad. I did it with using an array, which is the first time I used an array in a game. Anybody who codes will be like, you know, what a bloody amateur. Have you been using AGS for three years? And this is the first time you. I've been using AGS for three years, almost every day for three years, and mm-hmm. I just now had made it made an array. 
because uh, I've been avoiding them because I was scared of them, and it's actually it's pretty simple. <laughs> I mean, at least by analogy, I'm just like, oh, we just okay. These are the numbers you can allow, and it's a lot better than my my other my previous attempts at like a, a safe code earlier in the game. It's just like five hundred <laughs> lines of code, and and you know does far less. Anyway, it's super nerdy. Sorry, I took it down a nerdy route. The point is, is that I, I don't feel like a programmer. That's not my strongest suit at all. Like I'm definitely much better. I think at, at writing and art. Um, and, and, you know, music and that whole side of it, the program side, like I, I'm not doing it cause I have to do it cause I do like it, but I'm definitely mm-hmm. the worst at it is what I'm trying to say. And, <laughs> and that I don't feel among my people when I'm around good programmers <laughs> at all. Um, like imposter syndrome, not even syndrome just, just kicks in. They were just like, Oh, like, I don't, I'm embarrassed <laughs> to tell you like how I do shit. <laughs> Straight up. So I guess I'm saying that to say is I feel like most of the audience listening can relate more to that than to being a programmer. So that being said, it's like, well, how do you do a keypad when your brain doesn't work like that? You know, you just wake up and just code a keypad and it's just like, it's not so bad is the point. It's, it, you, you, you get pointed in a direction on the forum or somewhere online and, and you, you go in there and you just you have a few stabs and nothing works and nothing works and nothing works. But after, after like three hours, it, it, it works. And, <laughs> and in that vagueness, magic happens. And that concludes today's episode of the Classic Gamers Guild podcast. Uh, I want to first off, thank you for joining us. I want to shout out a couple of our friends first before I give you all of our deals. You know, imagine doodaloo, the little ding, that's the thing, the adventure game hotspot network. And we have <laughs> one short eye hanging out in there. Uh, he's got an interview with Ron Gilbert coming up that everybody is going to absolutely love. And we've got Adventure Game Geek, who's been busy on location. Uh, doing uh, different scenes and filming stuff and showing us a lot of the places that he loves from uh, games that he's played. Uh, Space Quest Historian, who just released a Police Quest retrospective, which is pretty awesome. It's yeah. like one of those fair and boundless reviews. I've watched it on the release party. I watched it again today. If you haven't seen it, pop onto YouTube and watch it. It's hilarious. And it, it makes my kid laugh because he likes that, you know, he likes hearing these points of views on my games that I'm always ooing and aahing about. So that's funny. Uh, and then, of course, we've got conversations with Curtis, and they've got uh, some amazing interviews, as always, coming through. Yeah, that's right. The Dave Grossman one was really good. Yeah. Ron Gilbert one mm-hmm. coming out. So, and we're going to be linking all of their latest, everyone that we just mentioned um, in the network, including Hotspot themselves. We're going to be linking mm-hmm. their latest works in our show description starting last week or last mm-hmm. episode, right? So anybody listening, if you guys just want to like quickly hop over to that now that the show's done, just look in our description and you'll see uh, links to all of their latest projects and that's how it will remain. It's just whatever their latest thing is. You can always just click on. So when we say goodbye, they bloody say hello. Hello. That's right. <laughs> and if you want to say hello to us, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at CGG Podcast. We're at Phantom Fellows. Say a hello. You even get a response, maybe some comments. Who knows? We're on a BBS now. I got to throw that out there. Classic Gamers Guild. So if you're out there in BBS land, you're going to find us. There's like a cool DOS logo and everything. Uh, where and when it gets tattooed, we don't know. But we'll find <laughs> out. We've got, uh, we're also on the, 
Facebook land still, uh, Classic Gamers Guild. So join us there uh, at the Classic Gamers Guild uh, Facebook, at the Classic Gamers Guild podcast. Uh, you're going to send us an email. Of course you are. Mail at ClassicGamersGuild.com. That's going to happen. You're going to find Paul at www.phantomfellows.com. You're going to find it on Steam, that game. You're going to maybe download the demo. Maybe you're going to appreciate that it's going to be better. But you're certainly going to wish list it. You're also going to uh, go to that wish list wish list on GOG. You're going to look up the Phantom Fellows. You're going to look up the game. You're going to pop it on. There's like almost 50 people already out there that are saying, yeah, we want to see Phantom Fellows on GOG. So get out there and agree. And, and on top of that, maybe you're going to want to find us on our Patreon because right now on our Patreon, there's like 30 minutes from the Era 47 episode that like was not released because it was way too hot, hot, hot to put out here. So if you want to hear what it sounds like, it doesn't take a lot. There's some terrible accents. It's worth it. Or you can be like Michael Council and Brian Manown, who are both in our extra special thanks tier on Patreon. They're paying a little bit more but you know what? I just said their name on the episode. So kind of worth it. I have to say, maybe we'll even think of more things we can get from you lovely people. So and buy, buy Brian's music just to find so good. Do it. Do it. It is. It is fantastic. You're going to put it on your playlist and it's going to stay there forever and ever and ever. So do all of those things. Do the Patreon thing. Wish list of things. I'm glad you listened. Thanks for staying that long. Paul, please stop this. Be safe out there and don't do a murder. Like jagged little pill is about Dave Coulier. I just, I, I, I can't, weird. I can't believe that. It's the greatest That's gift. Hot. Yeah, <laughs> it, is, it made the song good again. Now when I sing it, I'm gonna just smile knowingly and be okay with the world. And you know. <laughs>